Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast, episode number 301. Today is December 30th, 2013. We got a big show for you. I'm down in Orlando, Florida, actually covering the Under Armour All-American game, uh, going out to these Under Armour practices. We're a couple of USC targets out there. And uh, Dan Weber's back in uh, Southern California. We're going to do a show. We're just going to do the, the two of us today. Since I'm on the road, it's a little harder to do these shows uh, remotely, but that's what we're going to do today. Uh, thanks for any questions you've sent in. We're trying to get to all of them, and if you did any voicemail questions, we're not going to get to those today. You can resend those in for the next week's show. That would be great. And podcast at USCfootball.com. That's our regular email address. You can use that. Without further ado, I want to talk to Dan Weber. What's going on, Dan? How you doing? Hey, pretty good, Ryan. Uh, this is that week where you look back and you look ahead and you're not sure which way to look, and if it's USC football... You absolutely don't know which way to look. I will say this. There will be probably, uh, with no Colin Cowherd on on episode 301, there will be less talk about the University of Washington. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe there won't be. (laughs) Never mind. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Hopefully people enjoyed the show, our 300th episode last week. Uh, Yeah, I think Colin surprised some people, Dan, with, with his USC knowledge. Yeah, I, I think Colin pays a lot of attention to an awful lot of things. And, uh, I mean, that's why, you know, he's a great talker because he, he you better know what you're talking about if you talk as much and like to talk as much as Colin does. So, uh, you know, give him all the credit in the world. He's not just uh, making it up as he goes. He's paying attention and, <clears throat> and looking at things. And uh, he's coming from a, a point of view of, uh, of he knows what, he knows what he's talking about. You may not always agree, but he's got some facts, and uh, he's not just firing from the hip. No, certainly not. Uh, well, wanted to kind of get into stuff with with you, Dan. We had some questions to get to, but I didn't know if there's anything, you, any topics or something you wanted to start off with. We can get your thoughts on that, and then go into uh, some of the questions. Well, I mean, I just think you know we're in that crucial. You know, time frame might be the day we, you know, get the news on a couple of more absolutely official, official, uh, you know, statements uh, uh, about, you know, filling out this USC staff. And, uh, you know, there have been so many different things going on. You know, how many of these coaches that did such a great job, you know, can you keep? How much, uh, you know, in a place where we talk about how important stability is, uh, how stable can you keep things, you know, in terms of, you know how much uh, you know? Do they look at uh, at the current team, and how important it is to you know keep as many of those guys together? Considering next year still in the last year of sanctions, you can't replace anybody who leaves. Um, does that become any kind of a factor in uh, in deciding on uh, you know finishing out the staff, or is it more important to basically have a group you know that work with this, work with one another? at Washington and is very comfortable with one another. You know, is this going to be a staff-driven process or is it going to be, uh, you know, factor in more 
uh, the USC players who everybody hopes comes back next year, uh, where do they fit in, you know, on this, uh, you know, on this scale of which is more important uh, in terms of building your staff. But that, that seems to be, you know, if you're going to, I mean, this is a, you know, this would be the, uh, you know, if you look at this year and said, you know, they kind of changed offenses in the middle of the year. Uh, next year would be the third offense and uh, the third defense in three years. How much, you know, and then you've got a, uh, a you know, a, a roster with, you know, maybe in the spring under 50 scholarship players really fully healthy and ready to go. Uh, there are some, you know, real just basic nuts and bolts coaching considerations and, uh, and the ability to deal with the team, uh, you know, going forward that are really crucial right now. Maybe as crucial as, you know, the recruiting uh, over the next, you know, month and a half. Uh, so, and, and those things, you know, we'll just see how they play out. What's most important, you know, for Steve Sarkeesian and, and the USC, uh, you know, athletic department going forward in terms of how they, uh, how they finish out this uh, staff. And with the thought that when USC makes a move, that allows somebody else to make a move with regard to maybe, you know, a, a Tommy Robinson or a, uh, you know, uh, Clancy Pendergast. And, and where does that come in if uh, next year USC's playing against Clancy Pendergast or Tommy Robinson or, you know, John Baxter, people like that? Uh, Going to be, uh, you know, Mike Eckler going to be interesting because, you know, you're starting all over in some ways with recruiting. T. Martin is, you know, still still obviously involved, but, uh, but it's, uh, you know, on and off the field, you know, USC's having to start over again in the third year of sanctions. It's probably not the place you wanted to be. Yeah, certainly not. And uh, there's going to be some problem spots, Dan, uh, along the roster. We had a, our first question talks about that um there's a potential problem at tight end uh jd and dc he's worried about tight end recruiting but also about with the team with tight ends what do you think about where usc stands right now as far as tight ends? yeah the tight end recruiting you just have heard so little i mean i'm not a you know gerard in terms of uh, keeping up with it but it just doesn't you know you don't get a sense now you know you might get through next year randall say he's coming back xavier you know, doing everything but saying he's coming back. And, uh, and Jalen, you know, you're, you're in good shape next year. The year after, you're not in any kind of shape. I mean, and, and we knew this year USC got lucky. The kids had stepped in, uh, you know, uh, Shane Sullivan and, uh, and uh, Chris Wilson and, you know, Kevin Green going back and forth. I mean, that was that's three moves they had to make a tight end this year with the same three guys that they hope they've got next year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a worry, and it's always going to be a worry. Uh, I think you saw the difference when, uh, you know, they were basically had enough time to heal up and, uh, you know, sucked it up in the, in the bowl game. And that's, a, that's a big difference, uh, you, know, for, you know, for USC. But uh, the history has been with all the blocking those guys do, uh, you know, they, they can get banged up. And uh, uh, there's not a lot of depth there. Yeah, there isn't a lot of depth. Uh, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with Xavier Grimble. Uh, you know, he said he would come back. Is he going to stay? Is he really going to come back? But, you know, those guys are seniors. And, uh, it, you know, potentially you could see if, if, you know, one of them goes, there's only two scholarship tight ends left. 
even if not, they're both going to leave. You know, obviously they're going to be seniors. There no more eligibility. It could really put USC in a tough spot. Yeah, and whether there'll be, uh, you know, the Chris Wilson and and Shane Sullivan who really did rescue him there a little bit, you know, early uh, to mid part of the season, uh, you know, certainly every day at practice, and and those are you know the kind of things that a school like USC, you know, private school with uh, you know one of the top tuitions in the country, they're just not always going to be available to you. You know, the walk-on uh, possibilities. Uh, I mean, they did a marvelous job, you know, at Orgeron and and company in terms of, uh, you know, finding those guys and getting them here. And, you know, well, they, you know, they all got involved in it, uh, you know, all that, uh, that coaching staff, which is one of the reasons, you know, you had a group, T. Martin and Clay Helton got involved and John Baxter, all those guys in terms of what you had to do to fill out, you know, a roster uh, that nobody else in the country had to do. Nobody else has done. And, that's a kind of was an acquired experience, I think, for the old staff in terms of how they, you know, how they would come up with a, a former pitcher from Wake Forest who grew into a tight end body, and uh, he couldn't play baseball anymore, hurt his arm, and uh, here he is playing playing tight end at you know six five and you know two fifty five or whatever he he was and uh, and playing it pretty well at, at USC and. You know, I think it'll be a challenge for a new staff to really figure out exactly how how do you do that. I mean, it wasn't easy for the old staff. So, uh, yeah, those are some uh, some you know some issues. Yes, sir, issues is a good way to put it, Dan. Uh, let's go next one. We have a question from Tarek uh, with a new offensive defensive scheme system coming in. Do you see a lot of position changes happening for USC? Well, would hope not. I mean, I think they looked like they were in the right position. This year. I mean, the one thing that nobody disagreed with was, wow, the Clancy's base defense, how, and, and give Wayne credit. I mean, I think he, he understood it, and Clancy understood it, and, and, and they keep talking about it, especially Clancy saying, wow, if I would have come in here without a defense and would have designed the defense for the personnel I've got, this is exactly – the defense uh, I would have designed. Now, obviously, he was multiple. He had different looks. There were four-man fronts. You know, there were two-man fronts. And, you know, at times there were, there were uh, you know, they did all sorts of things to maximize their personnel. Uh, but, you know, having the, you know, the four linebackers as opposed to three certainly seemed to fit, you know, the personnel USC had. Moving Leonard out, you know, basically a defensive end spot, uh, you know, seemed to, you know, fit, and, and with George Uco as well, seemed to fit, you know, their skill set. Uh, and, and knowing that, you know, they may, you know, they keep saying they're going to, you know, be multiple, but if the base is, you know, a 4-3, you know, that, that changes things. You know, that's, that's fewer linebackers. Uh, I'm not sure they have the classic, you know, 4-3 defensive ends. Uh, and where that means, uh, you know, for Leonard uh, and, and George, if George comes back, and is that a factor in George deciding whether he comes back or, you know, if I'm going to make a change, I'll just go to the, uh, you know, see what the NFL brings. Uh, you know, again, you know, I've been a, a person who really believes in if it ain't, you know, broke, don't fix it. And uh, uh, changing it, 
you know, because, you know, I'm more comfortable with the defense I know rather than I'm more comfortable because this is a defense um, that is best suited to these players. I'm not sure that's, you know, always the way to go. So last year, USC got lucky. The defense that they really wanted to run seemed perfectly suited for the personnel. Uh, we'll see. As we, you know, they may end up with a, a look that's more like what we saw this year just after realizing that's the best look for these guys. All uh, right. Hopefully uh, there's, not a, there's not a mass uh, position switch uh, from something that these guys really picked up. By the end of the year, I mean, that was a, that's a really good defense that they put on the field uh, against Fresno. Yeah. Those guys were ready to play. And uh, with the cornerbacks maturing, you know, with Kevon Seymour maturing, uh, that that gives gives you, you know, a completed defense that, that really seemed to know what it was doing. You get Lamar Dawson back. I'm not sure, you know, that they have a classic 4-3 middle linebacker, uh, no matter what happens. If, you know, Hayes comes back, Lamar, I, I'm just not seeing it. So, uh, you know, Let's hope that the changes aren't aren't great. Um, and just, I wanted to let people know I'm actually in the lobby of the hotel, the team hotel here. So because there was work, I couldn't do this in the war room where the internet is. I'm in, I'm outside in the lobby. So if you hear people walking by and people screaming, they're football players. I apologize, for that, but we're out here in the lobby recording this. Um, and you talked about. Dan, the, the, the changes. Brian actually wrote in for a few suggestions of changes, and I wanted to run this by you and uh, see what you think. He said, Soma Vanuku is uh, such a great special teams player. He thinks that if he replaced Devon Kennard at strong side linebacker, he'd be hitting running backs and wide receiver for two years. He really likes that. He wanted to see Lamar Dawson go to fullback. Uh, he thinks he could be up to 240 pounds in the spring. He says, I hope Hades Pillard doesn't leave, but if so, Anthony Sorio could be middle linebacker and Quentin Powell could play weak side linebacker. And in the last one, he said Jabari Ruffin could replace Morgan Breslin. Um, Tavai's been good, but we really believe Powell and Ruffin will be the stars. That's Brian's thoughts on what some of the changes could be. See, I'm not sure what position would he replace Morgan, would Jabari replace Morgan Breslin at? Last year's outside linebacker or next year's? Outside linebacker slash defense end. That's the the issue you've got. Uh, don't see Anthony as a middle linebacker. Uh, do you see him paired up, you know, on the inside like he was this year? Uh, did he actually say Lamar Dawson at fullback? Yeah, he thought Lamar Dawson should go to fullback. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually, USC has two fullbacks. And the question is, does Steve Sarkeesian have fullbacks? Yeah. And he said he just didn't have any this year, but he would have played them, and he did play them in you know, short yardies or whatever. So I don't think we know. You know, uh, if you're not going to have one, probably not a smart idea to keep Soma there or Jaleel Pinner either. Uh, so one would hope you wouldn't throw away players. I mean, you don't have very many to begin with. I'm not sure you want to go to something where you throw guys away who actually learned how to play uh, those positions this year. I mean, the improvement in, in Soma and Jaleel, uh, the ability to block and 
and you know catch the ball much better this year. Uh, uh, one would like to keep that you would think in the offense somewhere, and, and Steve said he would, but we'll see. But but I don't see you know I, nobody ran through blockers and knew where the ball parry was coming better than Soma did on on special teams. He was just amazing. Yeah, heck, he might be of all the guys, he might be your prototype middle linebacker. Uh, you know, if they go away from fullback, you got nothing to lose. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's a priority. And you know, we'll see what happens with with Hayes, and we'll see what happens with you know how they decide to go on defense. But uh, I'm not a big let's switch positions guy right now. I, my 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 take right now is let's try to keep everybody who's got eligibility for next year, who really would be worth, you know, the right thing to do to come back, to come back and have a position for them. And if it's a position they know and understand and like, I'm all for that. I don't, again, change for change's sake. And I like the idea, a lot of the things that Steve does on offense, I like the hurry, you know, the much more up-tempo. I like the, you know, the fact that uh, they might run 20 more plays. Um, that would be great. I like, uh, you know, putting more pressure. I think it might help the offensive line a little bit. Uh, and uh, so I'm, uh, I'm on board with, with a lot of that, but uh, not necessarily on board with wholesale changes for change's sake. All right. Uh, let's go to Peter F. He says, what are the milestones that would indicate things under Coach Sarkeesian are going in accordance uh, with plan for the first 12 months? Could you provide specific targets with respect to the coaching staff, recruiting class, and ultimately the win-loss total in 2014? Thank you and Happy New Year. Peter F. Peter, there's a plan? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I know Bank took his big uh, planning book with him, uh, the three-year plan, which uh, – I guess maybe he needed a, he needed a fourth year plan in that uh, that planning book. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's what happened. Uh, I don't, you know, this is my problem, and, and this is not going away. If everybody, if USC would have said, for example, you know, we're going pretty well. Let's don't do anything. Let's go through the bowl game. Keep everybody the same. We're seven and two. You know, we'll be seven and two. Let's say USC would have gone through the bowl game. As they did, we could expect that the results would have been the same. They still, you know, most of the kids acted like, you know, Coach O was still coaching them. It had been seven and two. We all know that recruiting was really going pretty well. The way they were, you know, making inroads in lots of places and with kids that were interested in, you know, you know, kind of turning around L.A. and Florida and just, you know, getting established in the enthusiasm that was building. Uh, you had a team that if everybody who was eligible to come back came back, it would be hard to pick a team in the Pac-12 that you would say, I like that team better than USC. I mean, I think they would have figured out what you have to do against the Arizona States and, the, and, and uh, a Hundley-led UCLA. Other than that, this is a team you could have easily made the case. USC has more talent than anybody in the Pac-12. Yes, he could win the Pac-12 next year. I don't think that's 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 overstating things. They had the best defense in the Pac-12 this year. They would have the best defense in the Pac-12 next year. 
with everybody back. In that case, you're talking about the first year of the four-team uh, college football playoffs. You win the Pac-12, you pretty much are going to have a, a really, really, really good shot as one of those four teams. The impact of a USC program in its last year of sanctions uh, ending up in that Final Four playoff is almost impossible for you to state. Nobody else could have done that. Nobody. You know, Alabama, you know, took a nosedive when they got hit with sanctions not as bad as USC's. I mean, nobody has, has been able to survive anything near USC's sanctions. For them to have done that would have been one of the great accomplishments in modern college football history. So that's not on the table anymore. Not really. Uh, although, you know, if they, uh, they don't change too many things, if they are able to keep these guys, you know, from jumping early, they still could be pretty good. Just the fact that there's going to be some relearning to do. I mean, just learning how to practice with these, you know, with these numbers and all the kinds of things that, you know, the, the previous staff learned how to do. So, you know, that's the marker I'm putting down is just what might have been. And I know, you know, well, get over it. What might have been is not going to be anymore. I don't know where you go. I mean, I don't want to have people say, and I do like this. The best thing I think Steve Sarkeesian has said since he got here when he talked about Ed Ogeron, he said the best thing he picked up from Coach O was that he told those kids and convinced them and showed them and actually did it that you can win right now. No feeling sorry for yourselves. No, da-da-da. We can win right now. And he did. Now let's hope that's the mantra win right now, win the Pac-12, at the very least shoot for the Rose Bowl. I mean, I see, you know, posters who say, you know, there'll be third or fourth in the South, and, you know, we won't have anybody, and da, da, da. No, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the way to go at all. And I don't think USC has the ability to say now, well, with all the changes, we really couldn't expect to compete this year. You know, we got the you know we got the sanctions, and we no 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 uh -uh. no. I I want them to measure themselves as to what would have happened had they continued on with the previous staff that won seven and out of their last nine, and um, seemed to be able to correct when they hit a flat spot in the Notre Dame game, despite all the injuries and whatever. They didn't think they approached the road game properly, and they took it you know took it to heart and figured it out and went to Oregon State and ended kind of that jinx at Oregon State. You know, I thought that they, the uh, defensive approach um, against Fresno learned from what happened in, uh, in the UCLA game. I, I really liked what that staff, the way they had the ability to learn from things that didn't go well. I don't want to see a new staff come in and start making, you know, mistakes and then saying, but, you know, we're new here. I don't think that's, that's a good marker. So um, I think the markers I would lay down would be uh, as if this staff stayed, what, what would we have expected them to continue on? Uh, what kind of a path would we have expected them to continue on? This isn't a new – this isn't Sark coming into Washington with an Owen Paul program. This is Sark coming into a program 
that at the end of the year was better than his at Washington. Uh, so we expect this program to be really good next year. And that certainly could be a challenge. <laughs> and that's the, yeah, and that's the issue. Uh, it is some of the what they're going to have to overcome next year are those self-inflicted wounds. And if so, why? Why would you, you know, have done that to a program, you know, in that precarious final year of NCAA sanctions? Why would you have added any instability at all? Is that a second guess? Yeah, that's a second guess. Why would you do that? Uh, things were going pretty well. I don't know. It seemed like it to me. Yeah. Oh, man, it's be a really interesting year, Dan. Um <laughs> Well, it's, uh, Donald in Florida had a question. He said, I've not really seen or read uh, any justification as to the ejection of George Uko in the bowl game. I know it was for contact with the referee, but the only replay I saw on television showed nothing. I was hoping you could give some insight as to what happened. That's Donald in Florida. Yeah, terrible officiating, terrible, terrible mechanics, terrible job by the official uh, who decided, okay, you got two guys jawing at each other. He decides the one he's going to put his hands on from behind and not letting him know it's the, it's the referee is the USC player. I guess he couldn't reach the other guy. And George is walking away when a guy grabs him. George thinks it's, you know, one of the Fresno State guys. So he sh shakes the guy off. Oh, it turns out it's the referee who's walking into George. So now... George has contact with an official who contacted George first. Terrible, terrible, terrible job by the official. I do like George's explanation. He said, it was the luck of the Irish. <laughs> That's what he said. he said for me. He said, I just, you know, wrong place, wrong time, didn't realize it was the referee grabbing me, and I shook him off, and he got, he got tossed. Terrible job. It wasn't even a Pac-12 official, too. What, you know, kind of amazing. But uh, uh, if you're coming out from behind a guy and there's a kind of a back and forth going on, you identify yourself. You let him know, hey, hey, right, 90, whatever. You call him out, 90, hey, stop it. You know, and then you, you get his attention. Then you put your hand on him, okay? You don't you know, grab him and then act like it's a big deal when he doesn't know you're the referee and he doesn't want somebody grabbing him from behind. So bad break for George, but he, uh, and he, you know, he probably didn't need to be doing the, you know, what led up to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it wasn't an ejectable offense and it's just a terrible job by officials who we realize aren't very good in so many ways, but that's not telling Pac-12 people anything. <laughs> It wasn't even glasses, Raph, like you said. Yeah, luckily he might have, would have hate to see get his glasses knocked off or whatever. Man. Um, all right, let's see. We got one other question. This is kind of like the last topic I wanted to get into with um, from Lamar. Uh, it's about the coaching situation, the assistant coaches. He said, I know we're close to bringing in Coach Sarkeesian's defensive coordinator. He's talking about uh, Justin Wilcox. If they're not able to bring him in, who do you think they would consider for the job other than Clancy Pendergast? I wouldn't think they'd consider anybody. Whether Clancy would still consider USC, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Clancy's not even for the other assistants on the staff. Clancy's not a guy that you know shares a whole lot of his you know inner feelings. 
uh, other than about the defense is that he likes the, you know the, the way he wants to coach defense and and his players. Um, so I don't think people. Know, I mean, I, you know, I never, you know, people talk about oh, he doesn't recruit. What he does, I think he recruits by putting a defense out there that really wants to play for him. And if you talk, if, if you're recruiting a defensive player at USC, and they talk to the current defense and say, "What do you think?" They would say, "You want to play for this guy. This is the guy you want to play for." I mean, uh, you know, when you hear, you know, literally every single guy on that defense uh, and talk about, you know, what you know Clancy has meant to them this year, I don't think that you can recruit any better than that than uh, to have, a, you know, a team that just completely bought into. Uh, what they're doing defensively, and the coach that you know putting it together for him, and um, you know, I think what makes up for Clancy's recruiting is Josh Shaw recruiting for him, or Leonard Williams recruiting for him, or Hayes Pollard recruiting for him, uh, and uh, and I'm good with that. I think that that's fine. So, but uh, but I think Clancy is going to have a lot of opportunities, college or NFL, and uh, whether he wants to. You know, go back to the NFL. I mean, you know, help help the team to the Super Bowl in Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, you know, he's coaches, you know, the Cowboys. Hey, there might be an opening. <laughs> 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 Just a thought. Uh, <laughs> whether they could afford to hire a second straight coach from USC, I don't know. But, uh, but I, I, yeah, I, I I don't think you need to go past. I mean, obviously everybody knows that, you know, Mark Nardi, you know, the two guys in the Rose Bowl, or as good as it gets, uh, but uh, you know that's probably not happening. They're both you know head coaches in waiting. Clancy wasn't. Clancy really knew he he was a defensive coordinator. That's what he wanted to be. What he wanted to do, and uh, you know, uh, you know maybe who knows? Is there still an outside outside chance? I guess after today, maybe not. But. Uh, you know, I mean, there's always the, you know, there was the talk of, you know, the uh, Oregon alum, Wilcox, uh, they made a run at him, but then you hear from his brother, the talk show guy in Portland, that, nope, he's a Trojan. Uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, it does, uh, it does, I guess, widen the possibilities of the uh, uh, Tosh LePoy investigation yeah. uh, into one more or two more USC coaches uh, that get, uh, that get uh, get questioned, but uh, you know, I, I'm not thinking that's enough to be any kind of an issue, but uh, still might be might be out there. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, we've got some posts on the message board, Dan, recently on the Peristyle. People asking about, well, I thought this was going to be final. What's going on with Justin Wilcox? What's going on with uh, you know Tuas Sopo coming in to, to coach tight ends? And you know, I'm trying to tell people like, well. We're we're kind of like excuse me we're out on the road we're trying to figure out what's going on but there's really not a lot of information coming from USC and 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 most of these yep. guys are former Husky court I mean Husky uh, assistants that they're looking at and the Seattle papers doing a pretty good job I think up there covering all that stuff but I I didn't know if you wanted to share any more thoughts on that because I well I know you know I mean out. I think the 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 thing was at least those guys were still coaching so they you know. They were available, uh, whereas the USC people really aren't available at this point in time. Uh, the um, 
you know, with the holidays and all that. But but with Washington playing in the you know the the bowl game the other day, uh, those guys were coaching them through the bowl game, so they were available. Even then, it's it was mostly speculation as to what was going to happen. Uh, with Wilcox, certainly the buyout has to be a factor. Yeah. Now whether you know is this a game of chicken where Washington is just hoping USC has to hire him before. Uh, they have to let him go, and then USC has to pay the million-dollar buyout. Uh, might not be a bad strategy as long as uh, you know Wilcox, or as long as Peter Chris Peterson doesn't fill out his coaching staff. Let's say he still has one extra spot, uh, you know, to fill out. Why not just leave uh, leave uh, you know Wilcox on the staff, and then uh, you know that. Uh, no buyouts necessary. Uh, you know, Washington doesn't have to, you know, just sit there and, and, and wait until USC does something. We don't know when that contract ends or when the, you know, there's been speculation at the end of the year. But, uh, the, you know, it, it just seems like it's to no advantage for Washington to let him go. And it's to no advantage to USC probably at this moment to hire him at the cost of a million dollars you know, for maybe a day or two or three. Uh, so that would seem to be where it's at. The uh, the fact that uh, Nick Aliotti uh, at, at Oregon retired was a little bit of a complication, you know, as, you know, considering that um, uh, Wilcox is a, an Oregon grad and he and, you know, Peter Sermon were uh, USC's linebackers coach and I guess recruiting coordinator, although I don't think we know that, were roommates at Washington or at Oregon in her best buddies, uh, you know, there was some thought that is Oregon going to make a run at him? And, I, I, it, you know, you get the sense that maybe they inquired but but didn't make any, uh, you know, any kind of run at him. But uh, but right now, you know, there's, there, there's not enough of an advantage any direction to do this quickly. And maybe you, do you negotiate something with Washington, you know, does, you know, is Washington hardballing them a little bit? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but I don't know that there's a you know USC's not practicing uh, you know this weekend so I don't know that they have to have you know Wilcox here right now uh, that would be you know that'd be you know the take there Kuriasa uh, Sopa I guess he had to kind of he was the interim coach he had to kind of make a decision since he had been offered a, uh, you know the same spot tight ends coach at Washington if he wanted to stay. And uh, uh, apparently, you know, from everything we can tell, uh, again, not official, but from everything we can tell, he accepted Sark's offer to come, you know, this direction, which is kind of interesting considering he is, you know, he's 1-0 at Washington. He's a hometown hero, you know, guy and with a, you know, very high profile in Seattle, and he's coming here. So I don't know what that says, but <laughs> kind of interesting. It certainly is. Um, all right, Dan. Well, good stuff. Thanks for uh, and everyone else. Thank you for bearing with us on this uh, podcast on the road. Our second one. Um, at least we're able to do them now. But yeah, certainly it's it's been challenging down here in Orlando, just trying to get a whole bunch of stuff done uh, covering this All Star Game. We wanted to squeeze a podcast in there, and I apologize we didn't get Harvey Hyde on. But I'm glad uh, Dan can come in and answer all those questions. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Dan, for doing that. Oh, I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, wish we had absolute answers. We're just uh, you know we're 
we're flying blind like everybody else, I think, to some extent. Uh, these are those kinds of, you know, negotiations of who said what to whom and who made promises and who's having to wait until one thing happens before another thing can happen and, you know, what's the most negative thing that can happen and, you know, you have to avoid going there and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you just – and some of this you just wait and see what happens and when it happens. Because uh, there will be other shoes to drop once they, uh, you know, everybody says, well, we got to get the coaching staff filled out. Once you get that, not only does it affect the uh, guys who didn't get hired or didn't get kept on, but it, you know, could well affect the players who uh, are waiting around to make their decision. So, um, you know, this is only the first shoe to drop, not the not the last shoe to drop when, you know, we get the, uh, you know, the coaching staff uh, completely uh, staffed up. Great points there, too, Dan. All right. Well, thanks again. And everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. We'll be back, we'll be back in Los Angeles next Monday. So we'll do our regular show uh, from home from there. We'll get Harvey Hyde back on there again. Again, apologize for that. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.